Welcome to Center Ice. It is the 24th of July. I'm Matthew Maynard. And of course, as always with me is my partner in crime, Mac Vincent. There has been a ton of stuff that has gone on in the hockey world since we last recorded about a month ago. So we should jump right in. First things first, of course, uh, not the greatest news coming out involving Hockey Canada with the investigation and all. And of course, we can't get too deep into it it because it is an ongoing investigation but just just from a surface look here mac it's a horrible horrible look on hockey canada hockey and hockey as a whole you know with the kyle beach stuff now this and of course uh, rick westhead reporting a few days ago that there was another incident in 2003 potentially with the world juniors it really has not been a good year for hockey culture and i know we say time and time again mac but it needs to change and it needs to change now because it just for women, men, everything involved for the good of the game and good of people overall. Like I, I really hope that what we've seen over the last year makes a huge culture shock in hockey. And we make the changes that need to be made because you and I love this sport, Mac, but we love it. We hate what the culture has become right now. Yeah, you know, hockey is fun to follow, but if you followed hockey sort of outside the game itself and the culture, like you said, recently, I would say the last five, 10 years, there are a lot of questionable things that have come up and a lot of things that have maybe been swept under the rug, settled quietly. And I don't believe for an instant that this is the first thing that Hockey Canada has dealt with of this nature. I think this one was just made public because reporters like Rick Westhead and others were pressuring them and they know hockey culture needs to change and they want them to take responsibility. So it's, it's upsetting. It's disappointing. I'm interested to see where the investigation goes, but this seems very pivotal in terms of where are we going with this? Is the culture going to change or are we still traveling down that same road? We'll find out. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, from more of a local perspective here in Ottawa, Batherson and Formenton were part of that 2018 team. And you certainly would hope and expect that if it comes out, and of course, a key point is in, it's an active investigation, that if they were involved, especially directly, that they would be cut because you can't, there's no room for any of that on any team in the NHL. And if hockey wants to make a culture shift, then it doesn't matter whether you're fourth line grinder Mac or Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid. If you did something like that, there's no time or place for you in the NHL. Absolutely. Okay. Well, let's get into some fun stuff. Matthew Kachuk going to South Florida in exchange for Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weaker, Cole Schwint, and a first round pick. Instant reaction. What do you got? Well, uh, my instant reaction when I saw this was one, that's really out of left field. We knew he was on the move somewhere. I didn't expect it to be Florida, but my reaction was at first, you know, Kachuk, uh, probably a good pickup for Florida because all, all I saw right away, Kachuk to Florida. And I thought, you know, that's a pretty good pickup. And then I saw what Bill Zito gave up for Matthew Kachuk, Huberto, Uyghur, Schwint, and a first. That, that's an awful lot going back to Calgary. And uh, Tree Living's got to be pretty happy with that haul considering that he was that Kachuk forced his hand here. And uh, the one thing as of to note here, Mac is Huberto and Weger are both in the final years of their deal. So I'm sure that's pretty much moved to the top of tree living's list here, 
on things to do, get them signed and locked up long-term. But assuming he can do that, Mac, I think that this is a, a pretty darn good move for Calgary because you get the first pick and then you get two real good players returning in return for a guy who didn't want to be there. And, and you know, there were some real questions about Calgary over the last week about what are they going to do because you lose Gaudreau, who we'll get into in a minute. You now, Then you lose Kachuk. What are you going to do? Because that's an those are two big guys that you've lost for nothing, pretty much. And then Tree Living goes around, makes a great move like this. And I think Calgary, I don't think they're quite as good as they were going into the offseason, but they might be a more well-rounded team. And I think Mackenzie Weger in particular will really shore up that defense. You and I had questions about it all through the season and the playoffs. And Weger's one of the better two-way guys in the league. So a great Great job on Calgary. On the Florida front, I imagine you and I have pretty similar thoughts here, Mac, that uh, Bill Zito sure does love going all in, doesn't he? They're the Vegas Golden Knights of the Eastern Conference, and it, it continues going that direction. I'm fascinated to see where this team ends up in the next two, three years, but that's the trajectory they're going down. It really is. Yeah, I think that's a, a perfect way to put it for Florida because it, let's let's go back to the deadline here, Mac. You uh, you get Claude Giroux for a first. You get Ben Sherratt, Sam Bennett for a second. And then you, you go all in on Matt Kachuk. And to me, Florida, they're banking everything on the offense. The only real big two-way guy you have in Florida and on defense now is Aaron Ekblad. Now, don't get me wrong. Ekblad's very good, but he can't do it all on his own. And I think they're going to put an awful lot of pressure on Knight and uh, – Bobrovsky coming up on this season because if the way I see it with Florida, even more than this year, if they're not scoring this season, Mac, they're not winning. Yeah, for me, this was interesting because I think what happened was there were offers out there and then Florida just beat everyone. And you look at what they offered. Why not? I mean, Jonathan Huberto is basically the same player that Johnny Gaudreau is. They're very similar. A lead offensive player, doesn't play a lot of defense, but very good in the offensive end. And then you pick up Mackenzie Weaker, who I was surprised they were willing to give up because, like you said, they're very thin on defense, and he was their best defender. And then you get a first-round pick and a prospect. You know, he's probably a top-10 prospect in their system. Not a, a big name, but you never know. You might get something from him. I don't know. I, I was a little surprised that Kachuk wanted to go to Florida specifically, but they seem to be the team that everybody wants to go to. And remember, you know, Tampa Bay doesn't have any cap space to make moves like this. So I think Florida is kind of becoming the new Tampa Bay where players are like, okay, I can go play in Florida and I can go play for a really good team. From his perspective, I get it, right? You live in Florida. It's a great place to live. You get to play hockey there. Why wouldn't you want to be there long-term, right? It it makes sense. But yeah, I think just St. Louis wanted him, but they – couldn't give up that kind of offer. I think probably Jordan Cairo and others were wanted for him. And New Jersey, we heard, was potentially in there. Pretty much every team was interested, but you know how many teams actually had the pieces to do it? So I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect from Florida, but like you said, they're, they don't have much defense. I think Bobrovsky and Knight is a solid tandem. I just, I don't know about this road they're going down. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> three draft picks in the second round in the next three years, zero in the first. One thing I will say, Mac, uh, to, to wrap this up, and I think this is something everyone can agree on, having Brady Kachuk versus Matthew Kachuk four to five times a year 
not including playoffs is going to be amazing. That's going to be so much fun. Yeah. And the other thing I'll add to this is, and I think Calgary should entertain this. If they're having discussions with Huberto and he's saying, okay, I'll only sign for two or three years. I don't want to sign long-term. You could easily say, okay, we're going to keep Mackenzie Weger. What if you signed Weger? you kept the first round pick, you kept the prospect, and then you flipped Huberto to a team for a big package. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a that's a real possibility. As you mentioned, Huberto, uh, certainly a sought-after asset in pretty much every corner of the NHL. And I, I'm sure some GM, if Tree Living was smart about it, Mac, he could get a real good return here. All right. Well, speaking of Calgary, on to Mr. Johnny Gaudreau going to Columbus, Ohio. Now, this is one, admittedly, that really caught me out of left field. And I, Now, I wasn't connected to the internet or anything during the signing period, Mac. So I got, I'm going to have to ask you, was this one that surprised a lot of analysts on the day of the signing? Because it certainly surprised me. Yeah, it was. It was one of those things where everybody thought he was going to either New Jersey or Philadelphia, because that's kind of where he's from. All of a sudden, sort of very late in the process, there were these reports and rumors that, you know, don't forget about Columbus. Apparently, Columbus is sort of hanging around like and people thought nothing of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I'm signing with Columbus. And everybody's like, what just happened? (laughs) That's pretty much what happened. Yeah. (laughs) Well, how about this deal? I don't blame Gaudreau going to Columbus, Ohio for this amount of money. Sixty eight point five million over seven years, Mac averages out to nine point seven five or something. So I would I would go play in Columbus for that kind of money, as I'm sure anyone would. I don't know what the issue is with Columbus. I, I don't get it, right? Like Ohio's a nice place. What's wrong with Columbus? I don't when, understand why when Columbus players don't is a nice there. Columbus is a nice college town. I hear it's a good place to live. And yeah. now I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure what Columbus's long-term plan is, but they've got some good pieces there already, Mac. I think they could be building something good here. I mean, the big thing you got to think about now, especially with Line A signing uh, the other day as well, what are you going to do with the cap situation? Because now they're uh, pretty much capped out. Yeah, join the club. I mean, so many teams capped out. I I think this signing, Gaudreau specifically, was sort of a a signal to the fans in the market that, hey, we want to change the culture where we want to be able to bring big name players here. And Johnny Gaudreau is a huge score for them. This is a elite offensive player who can drive play offensively and make players around him better. And he single-handedly carried Calgary during his years, obviously had a few tough years, but for the most part, a very, very productive player. And he left money on the table to sign with Columbus. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. Like you said, the cap situation is something else, but they're building something. They've got some players. They've got some young players coming up. We'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And then some more big names on the move. Carolina really loading up here uh, over the last couple of weeks, Mac. And uh, I was at camp, so rural Eastern Ontario data is pretty iffy, Mac. So now and again, I would get occasional NHL updates. And then I just hear from you, Burns, Pacioretty, Coughlin, all going to Carolina. And all, for my first initial reaction was, whoa, Carolina's really loading up here. What are your thoughts on these moves, Mac? Well, I think Vegas backed themselves into a corner. And remember, they gave up a lot for Pacioretty. And now they're basically giving the guy away. They're like, here, we don't need him, even though they probably do. And they're like, yeah, we'll give you Dylan Coughlin as well. From the Brent Burns perspective, San Jose is sort of retooling. So I understood it more. You know, Carolina is a good team. 
He'll have a good role on that team. I think he's going to play with Slavin. That's a big pair. That's a hard pair to play against. Looking forward to seeing that. You do really wonder what is Vegas going to do next year? Because you had to make a move like this. They were so capped out with guys they need to resign. Someone was going to move and it just happened to be Pacioretty. Missing the playoffs last year and making a move like this now, I really wonder what are the internal expectations and the fan base expectations for Vegas this year? Because to me, I feel like they're going to be about the same this coming season as they were last year. Now, of course, it's worth noting back that we still have a few weeks of offseason to go. I think they're a bubble team. I don't know if they're a playoff team whatsoever. I think they've got a lot of holes and this move doesn't really help at all. I mean, you just basically gave away two productive players. Coughlin is a good young defenseman. I think he'll do well in that Carolina system. And again, Pacioretty, you had to move because you brought in Eichel and you brought in all these other, apparently. Now I heard this. I don't know if it's actually true, but apparently they were entertaining the possibility of trying to bring in Matt Kachuk somehow. I don't know how, but (laughs) they were, you know, big game hunting again. And I just, to me, this team is just kind of stagnant and other teams around them are getting better and they're not. Yeah, I, I would completely agree. And uh, flipping to the Carolina side of things, I, I think this is Carolina as an organization as a whole saying, okay, you know, we've got the uh, foundation here and now it's time for us to really go all in because Carolina's had some good teams. Mac, you and I have talked and sung praise about them for the last two, three seasons, and they just haven't had quite enough to get over the hump here. Now, will Pacioretty, Burns, and Coughlin be enough to get them there? That remains to be seen, but I think this is certainly indicating to the league and the fan base in particular that, okay, you know, we've been good, but not good enough. And now it's time to make our move. We smell weakness in the East, especially with Tampa regressing and Florida being kind of iffy. We see an opening here and I'm going to be very interested to see how Carolina does this season. No, I think it helps a lot. I mean, I I think Brent Burns still has a lot of game left. He can still move the puck. Obviously, he's not quite as dynamic as he was, but he's a big defenseman. He can play physical. He's good in front of the net. Obviously, he can quarterback a power play, which is something that they also needed, so that helps too. And I don't necessarily think they're done. I've heard they're talking about maybe moving a guy like Marty Natchez. That's a guy that he has sort of been in their system a while, hasn't really turned into much yet. He's kind of uh, shows some flashes of brilliance and then just kind of invisible. But with Pacioretty, this is a scorer that they needed. They had enough playmakers. They needed another scorer. So, you know, you look at what they let go, which was Vincent Trocek and also Nino Niederreiter. You bring in Pacioretty and Burns and Coughlin. I don't have an issue with that. Yeah, it'll be uh, very interesting to watch. Carolina's already an entertaining team, Mac. You, you and I have loved watching Carolina for years now. And now you've got two real good guys. And I certainly hope that Carolina does well, because you and I have been rooting for them uh, for the last little while. And we would really like to see them make it to the conference finals or even the Stanley cup. And I think they're loading up for it. And Carolina is going to be one of my favorites for a deep playoff run from the get go this year. Yeah. And before we finish with the trades, a couple, we have to mention John Marino to New Jersey for Ty Smith and a third round pick. If you don't know about Marino, he's basically a really good defensive defenseman, not much in terms of offense, but he can shoot the puck. That's a really good pickup for New Jersey, who has a really good right side on their decor. Good for them. 
And then Jeff Beatry from Montreal and also Ryan Paling to Pittsburgh for Mike Matheson in a fourth round pick. This one was interesting too, because Matheson, remember, he was brought in from Florida and Pittsburgh really turned this guy into something. His career was not going in the right direction. He really became a productive player under Mike Sullivan. But interesting that they feel Petrie and Paling are an upgrade. I'm I'm not sure about that one, but it is what it is. Yeah, well, if you're Montreal and you get offered a guy like Matheson, well, you're going to take that all the time, especially since they've been trying to move Petrie anyways. You take that. Other moves that we've had, Mac, I think we got to talk about Seattle here because, uh, let's be frank, you know, first season expansion team, expectations weren't super high, but I still think they underwhelmed last season. Ron Francis has moved pretty quick here to get this team better, and I think they will be better coming into this season. A few really good moves here. You know, of course, Shane Wright moves to falls to fourth overall, and you're going to take that all the time the top three didn't want him well we'll take Shane Wright who was potentially going to go number one going into the draft and then you get Bjorkstrand take advantage of Columbus with that cap crunch like we mentioned earlier and I think that that's a huge pickup for for Seattle going to be a, a big difference maker for that Kraken team what say you Mac Absolutely. Yeah. And on that front, you know, Andre Burakovsky, another good signing. This is a guy who's not only a good sniper and a good playmaker, but he's one of those guys that's really good at carrying the puck into the zone, something that not a lot of forwards are good at, not a lot of defensemen are good at. So that's something to keep an eye on there. But yeah, Shane Wright fourth overall was basically just gifted to them. I think they, everybody thought he was going to go one or two and then Slavkovsky went one and then everything was thrown out of whack because New Jersey Jersey was drafting based on need, etc. So then they're like, oh, wow, Shane Wright's still available at four. Ron Francis goes up to the <laughs> mic. Yep, that's my guy. Yeah, and he's got a chip on his shoulder too. He, you could see the pictures from the draft, Mac. He was not thrilled to be passed on by one or two. That can really help a prospect. It can hurt them sometimes. But I think that Wright going to Kraken and Seattle, I think that they've done a bit of an organizational refresh over the past few weeks. I'm not expecting a push for playoffs or anything this year, Matt. But I think they're going to be much better this year than they were last year. Yeah. And regarding Bjorkstrand, maybe not a guy a lot of people know about because he's a really good two-way player. He's undersized. He can shoot the puck. This is a guy that Columbus will really miss. And obviously with the signing of Gaudreau and Line A, they just didn't have any room for him with their cap situation. This is a guy that you will notice, especially if he gets a prime role, which I think he will in that top six. But you look at their top nine now. I think Matty Beneers is probably going to play this year. You've got McCann, Gord, Bjorkstrand, Burakovsky, Jaden Schwartz, and Jordan Everly. Not bad. A lot better than it was. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we said going into the offseason, for Seattle, it can only go up from here. I think it will. Now, of course, free agency was a week and a bit ago, but there still are some notable free agents out there, Mac. Any anyone in particular that you think, if you're a GM, who are you targeting right now? The the best of the rest. Who are you targeting first? I have to say Nazem Kadri, based on just the year he had and sort of the unique player type he is. A team I've heard is the Islanders in terms of maybe Lou Lamorello has filed the contract and he's waiting until September. That's sort of a joke that's going around. I don't know if that's true because remember, while the Islanders are a good team, I think there's better fits for Kadri. I'm going to throw your proposal here. What if Kadri becomes the new number one center with the Dallas Stars? I think that could work out really well. That could be very good. You and I have talked about how Dallas could use a new number one center and Dallas has the cap space for him. I think Kadri could be a real good addition on that Dallas team. It's just a matter of price, Mac. That's that's what it'll ultimately come down for any team here. 
because you know Kadri's going to want a lot of money. I'm hearing north of $8 million. So I'll be very curious to see what he ultimately agrees to. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because the market has been set, right? You've had Johnny Gaudreau sign for 9.75. And no offense to Nazem Kadri, but Johnny Gaudreau is a much better and much more well-known player than him, right? So I think you're probably looking at eight to nine maybe nine and a half. Now the question is, you know, there are teams that have room to sign him. How many of those teams are contenders? And the answer is we really don't know because apparently the Rangers are interested, but they would have to move some pieces to get him. So this is going to be really interesting. But yeah, I just think Dallas makes sense. They're a good team. I think they're moving in the right direction. I think this would be a good opportunity for him to take on a leadership role. And this is a team with a lot of talent. And I think Jim Nail is really going to guide this team in the right direction over the next little while. Yeah, I think that's a good fit, Mac. I could absolutely see it. I could also see Nazem Kadri returning to the East. For Kadri, I think he likes being in the West. He'll find a suitor out there and he'll get paid. I think he'll play a big role in whichever team he gets signed with. The other guy that I'm surprised didn't get signed on day one is John Klingberg. You and I were singing his praises during our last episode, how good he is at shooting from the point how good of a defenseman he can be, but especially on offense, a pretty good two-way guy. It sounds like he wants a multi-year deal. No one's done that yet, but there certainly are a lot of teams that could use a guy like John Klingberg. I have a feeling it's going to be some team from the East. I'd love to say Ottawa, but Ottawa doesn't need Klingberg at this point, not with Anderson and uh, Shabbat already. I'm going to go with... I think Detroit would be good, wouldn't you, Mac? You mentioned Ottawa, and I wouldn't rule that one out. Ottawa still has to re-sign Brandstrom, which I think they will. But apparently Klingberg has been offered or presented with something with Ottawa, and I think that would be a good fit. Again, sometimes you don't always get what you want, right? Sometimes you want to play for a contending team, but those teams just don't have the cap space right now. And that's kind of a situation that we've been facing the last few years. So if you're Klingberg, this is a good team it's with get, Giroux, getting they're better. getting better. Why not? I mean, now the only thing with him is apparently he's been offered one-year deals, but he'll only accept a multi-year deal. So I'll stick with Detroit. I don't know how good I feel about it because to be honest, there hasn't been a lot of chatter around this guy. No, it's, it's, it's been very quiet. I, I could see a scenario here, Mac where we get into mid to late August and he hasn't signed and he'll ultimately take one of those one-year deals. You know, I could see Ottawa from an Ottawa perspective. He could be very useful and it really comes down to the right price. And as you mentioned in this market, you're not always going to get a team like New York or Carolina or Tampa because they're all capped out. The cap is staying flat for another year and, or mostly flat, I should say. So, you know, you get who you sort of have to take who who offers you the most money, even if they aren't a contending team. It seems like uh, Ottawa, and this is something we can discuss in another episode, is Ottawa seems to finally be spending money. And if you're Klingberg and Ottawa is offering you a two, three-year deal for a decent amount of money, why not give it a shot, right? Same with Detroit. You know, both those teams. Oh, I got one that might. This is a real wild card, Mac. I'm just thinking, what about a team like Buffalo? Now that's way out of left field. Okay. But like, you know what? I just have a gut feeling for no no reason. And you know how this goes for me sometimes, Mac. I'll, I'll name a random team and it'll happen. So I'll say Buffalo. You know, a team like the, some of those teams that are getting better, they've got the cap space. Why not take a shot at them? John Klingberg still has plenty of time in his career. 
Of course, he could always get traded to a contender at a deadline. You know, take a, take a deal with an up-and-coming team and you never know what will happen. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's what will happen. Although, again, it's been very quiet. We've heard Carolina, but then they traded for Burns, so that's not happening. I think there are contending teams that would like to sign him, but they simply don't have the space. So, And, of course, another guy, Patrice Bergeron, Boston or retirement. That's how it's going, baby. I would be really surprised if anything else happens. And I'm hearing it's going towards him coming back. And I'm hearing they're talking to Krejci, trying to bring him back on a low-cost deal. So, Yeah, and uh, another guy, uh, just a little off-topic here, Matt. Another uh, Bruins legend that might be hanging up the uh, blades for good is Zidane Chara. And, you know, we'll wait until that news is official, but crazy how far how far back he goes and how long he's played and really how good he's been for Boston, Ottawa, a short time in the Islanders organization at the beginning and the end of his career. So we'll get into Zidane O'Chara, but certainly he'll be missed if he decides to hang up the blades. And that sounds like what it's leaning towards right now. One of the best defensemen I've ever seen. And you know, a different type of defenseman, a real shutdown. He was a pleasure to watch. And the funny thing about Chara that maybe a lot of people don't know is that despite how ferocious and mean he is on the ice, he is like the nicest, most gentle guy off the ice. He's funny. He's engaging. People love being around the guy. Well, what always amazed me about him, especially on the ice, is, of course, he was the tallest guy in the NHL for a good time. And even for being well over six feet, he was still a really good skater. You know, he he wasn't majestic or anything like that, but I was always amazed seeing him play when he was in Boston. He'd come to Ottawa and he was a good skater. I, I think, I think people uh, under appreciate how good of a skater he was for the size he was. Cause normally when you're an NHL or near that size and that physique, you're not a very good skater. You're pretty slow. And of course the last few years of his career, you started to notice that, but if we're talking prime Charmack, he was a pretty good skater and he could he could keep up with some of the better, faster players in the league. As you mentioned, he was a really good shutdown guy and really a, a good all around guy. And uh, it, it won't be the same without Zidane Ochara in the league. My entire life as a hockey fan, it's all I've known is Zidane Ochara in the league. So if he hangs him up, uh, the league will be missing. We'll be losing a good one. And then, uh, you know, speaking of another old Boston Bruin, uh, to wrap up the free agents here, Mac, Phil the Thrill. Phil Kessel uh, hasn't signed yet. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up. I don't imagine he'll sign for a lot of money at this point in his career. You know, if a team could get him for a low salary deal, then Phil Kessel could be a steal of a pickup, even at his age. Yeah, and, and I think maybe that's what he's looking at. I think he's also, it's understandable, he's comfortable in Arizona. He has an assistant captaincy there, and he had 52 points this past season, so he could re-sign there, but we haven't heard very much on that front. We don't really know what's going on. I think he's probably just looking at his options. Maybe he's just enjoying the offseason. Remember, Kessel is a quiet guy, so you don't often hear like rampant rumors about this guy, but somebody could do really well if they can get him their contender and just add him to, you know, your second or your third top nine forwards. Why not? I mean, he can still score goals. Just got to put him with good players. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've gotten through all the big moves that have happened over the last few weeks. Hey, eh, Mac? Yeah, we sure have. And time to spare. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of off season still to go, Mac. We've got some arbitration coming up. We've got guys that still need to be signed. We've got prospects coming up. 
this is one of the busiest off seasons I think I've ever seen. And I'm here for it. I would love to see this continue on pretty much every off season. Cause normally the NHL off season is a little dry. So more, more of this. So we can have more to talk about. <laughs> well, let's hope so. I mean, I- I was so surprised at the amount of things that have happened. There's been a lot of kind of crazy turns from the Gaudreau thing to the Kachuk thing when we heard maybe he wanted out and then all of a sudden he gets traded to Florida. It happened very quickly. But yeah, no, it's been really fun. And this is something that basketball fans are used to. NBA off seasons are crazy and really fun. Same with NFL. But this is not something that hockey fans experience very much. And Remember, you had some a little bit of chaos at the draft with Shane Wright not going first overall. It's just been fun overall, and I think something that hockey fans really needed. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, of course, as a Sens fan, this has been a pretty good offseason. It's something we can get into in our next episode. But, you know, I think overall, pretty much every team has gotten something they've needed or moved something that they need to move. And it's not done yet. So we got lots of offseason to go, Mac. But unfortunately, we are running out of time on this episode. So for Mac, this is Matt signing out and enjoy the games and enjoy the offseason, guys.